Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now on with the show. All right. So we are back today with another episode of our special series around the Flower Magazine Showhouse here in Atlanta. As sponsors and design lovers, we're just excited to share some of the behind the scenes and the inspiration behind the beautiful rooms with our incredible listeners. So if you'd like to visit the show house, you can find tickets at flowermag.com slash show house open now through November 27th. And our guest today is acclaimed designer, Barry Dixon. Barry's firm is based in rural Virginia outside Washington, D.C., but his work can be found all over the world and on the pages of your favorite shelter magazines like House Beautiful, Lux Magazine, Veranda, Traditional Home, and and of course, Flower Magazine. Welcome to the show, Barry. Thanks for joining us. A pleasure to be here, Caroline and Liz. Thank you. We're happy to be with Ballard and for this podcast today. So I was telling you before, you have an absolutely incredible space, just the sort of bones of the space. Obviously, well, I haven't seen it, but I'm assuming you put some really special touches in there just because of your design. Even before you got in there, it was such a beautiful room. Can you tell everybody kind of about the architecture and just the foundation of the space before we get into all of the decor you added? We have the very good fortune of working with a really talented architect that I know very well. It's one of the reasons I accepted. I love Flower Magazine and Margot and Suzanne and the crew, but Peter Block was doing the design for the house, and that meant a lot to me. So I was very happy to be working with us. Traveled with Peter and worked with Peter before. He designed the box of my room. He designed the this beautiful house that has echoes of classicism, a strong architectural bones. There's a little bit of a Hollywood Regency, I would call it, a, a appeal to the facade of the house. And it lives beautifully in a warm climate, as you would have had in California and as you have actually in Atlanta. And then my library, I, if there was any room I would like to do in a show house, and I've done them before, uh, it is a library. I love libraries. I live with books. Here at our old home, Elway Hall in uh, Virginia countryside, I live in an old Stanford White House in the middle of nowhere and love it out here. But I've got 12 foot ceiling library with sliding ladders. And what do I have to work with here? But a library with 12 foot ceilings and beautiful bucolic views. So that that's an inspiration unto itself. That's what I have to work with at the show house. Yeah, the room has really, really pretty um, light. It has a big kind of window on the the wall that faces the backyard. It has a beautiful wood paneling. It has beautiful oak paneling. We've done a lime wax finish on that. And I've used a uh, a textured wall covering on the ceiling uh, to give it not mm. only some visual interest at the top with a nail head trim all around the periphery that sort of hits that paneling at the ceiling line and frames it there. But it also absorbs sound acoustically. We design for all five senses, not just sight, the mm. way that things feel, texture, the, the way that the fabrics and the materials that we use make things sound or not sound is very important. So you have to think of the full experience of the human senses when you're designing a beautiful interior. Peter also, again, I had that wonderful big bay that you were talking about. 
and I nestled a sofa that's one of our designs for Tomlinson in that window and designed almost Pullman curtains. We we did a custom hand block print of a gigantic roses on steroids so that the roses are almost human scale on this large thing because we had all that vertical scale and I wanted to explore the masculine side of floral in our room. I knew there were going to be lots of floral prints and things in the flower show house. So we worked primarily with floral abstractions and with handsomer floral colors and things. A lot of olive, ochre, brown, gold, sort of autumnal colors, heavily inspired by our view. John Howard is doing the gardens and we've got incredible views through that big window that you were mentioning, Caroline, of the garden beyond. And I've done I'm working on a garden here in the Washington area uh, right now for a large, incredible home. That, and John's just done the most beautiful four-acre garden that surrounds this, that makes the house that much more special because the views of the exterior are such an important part of the beauty of any interior, especially when you're celebrating the garden and flowers and things as we would in a show house for a magazine called Flower. So. That was a lot of our inspiration too. It's funny you mentioned that because we had Margo. Margo was one of our very first guests. This would have been more than five years ago. And we had a conversation with her about how often people think of flowers and flower prints and design as being very feminine. But there are, you know, think of like Persian rugs. They have floral motifs in them. Mm-hmm. And so many things have a flower or at least a botanical design, but you wouldn't consider them flowers. So I, I, it's very interesting you say that about masculine ways to bring in fl- florals. I love that. It, well, that um, if you think of a tree of life design, it's almost got that stalky, wonderful, tenuous, viney shape. We kept the thorns on the roses, but they became this big. We made them stalks so they felt like trees. And the flowers themselves were twice the size of my head. And they almost also looked a little scientific and um, fin de siècle, almost like a steampunk flower if you were going to fall into something like that. Mm. Uh, Botanicals, I did books. uh, I did a, a botanical library, natural science, history of flora and fauna and things with the books on one wall. Because, I, again, it was almost look, I was looking to sort of a 19th century a scientific secondary play within the things that we were bringing to the party here. And we chose not only that, that again, that custom one that we did with Tyler Graphic with my friends there for the drapery, but we did some of the textured things that are part of my collection for Vervain, where I've done rubbings on cantaloupe. And then I created a fabric called cantaloupe. I'd, I used that on the big lounge chair, or I did another one that was, um, paisley designs uh, folding into a repeated uh, more geometric floral uh, mm-hmm. that I used on a lounge chair that was an old chair that I bought actually that was deaccession from Balmoral that I bought on a buying trip to Scotland. So I oh, love bringing old things in with the new things and we wanted equal parts of 21st century and seven, we had 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th and we have things literally spanning 500 years in the room. Okay, so you mentioned the sofa and the window. What is it mostly like a sitting room? Is there a desk? What's the other furniture, you know, scattered around the space? I love the thought. It was a corner room, and one corner was usurped by a concave pair of doors. So you had these curved doors that would open in, and I got the idea of things in motion to do a center round library table. This was one that I commissioned through Cox London. It was one that I had that has four 
really strong bronze uh, caryatid figures, lion's lion's head with a lion's paw in solid bronze. So it's masculine. And under glass is a giant lotus shape made where it looks like petals. They're actually made with guinea fowl feathers. So it had that specimen quality of things from the natural world creating an abstractive formal motif under glass, almost decoupaged under the tabletop, a 54-inch round books table in the middle. So you can pull up chairs on wheels from different sides and use that center table as a de facto desk. I also used a small console, that more studious corner that I was talking about, where I have a bookcase filled with all of the the books on the science of, of nature. The big lounge chair that looks like a gentleman's smoking chair, another one I designed, that one with the cantaloupe hide fabric on it, is on a swivel. So it swivels around and you can sit in your lounge chair at a desk. So it's just a little lower than a desk, but you've got a surface. You can put your papers down, your coffee, your glasses, and work on a laptop there. We don't need, you know, a, a, you know, a giant desk in a room when we've got our little laptops anymore. So, yeah, and we don't right. use the files that we used to use in desk for filing systems and everything. We keep our files on our computers. So that's the 20, that, for me, that's the 21st century notion of a renaissance man or woman's realm, how we would use and think, still look back and be reverent to history, but look forward and be aware of and celebrating now and future so that we didn't really want to be pinpointed to a particular era or, or aesthetic or our thought process or, or any sort of domain in time. No matter where we live, flora and the, the natural world beyond us that's inspired this has been the same. We're the things that have been changing. Earth may be changing a little bit too much right now, but I have a feeling in the end, nature's going to win. <laughs> Liz, I'm sorry. I have to give a you a second because I haven't even let you talk. Screaming on the inside. <laughs> I cannot wait to get into this space. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just have a Thank feeling you. this is going to be so wildly inspiring for my own home. So I can't wait to, to get into your space. Well, that excites us. That excites us, Lou. I have a feeling I'm going to be spending a lot of time in the library, and I'll just bring my laptop and work from there. <laughs> and I love the fact that you went so far into the details to curate the library and the books that are in there. So I'm, I'm fascinated to get into those kind of details as well. Well, thank you. And we, we really, we love that aspect of things. I'm a big, I'm a big bibliophile. We work with Kinsey Marable often on putting libraries to get together for clients. I put libraries together with him for uh, Diane Sawyer, uh, for a lot of our clients here uh, in New York, at different places. He's a, um, an incredible bookseller. He can find first editions of anything, full sets of any wonderful set of old books that you're looking for. And then he wraps them perfectly in the acetate. Every book in the library came from Kinsey. And it's curated for this house. I like to, to leave little visual clues on the shelves because we're not using a Dewey Decimal system to categorize our books at home or anything <laughs> like that. But I like a little, like where I have the natural history, then I've got found box turtle shells or a sculpture of a lamb. Uh, where I've got hunting and safari scenes, I've got iron sculptures of, of, of hounds and dogs. I'm part of the fox hunt here in Virginia that, that runs uh, from my farm. Uh, Elway Hall, um, there's an old uh, hunt that we keep here. We don't kill the fox anymore, but we maintain the traditions of the hunt. And I could at any point starting the day after Thanksgiving, as a matter of fact, we're hosting the hunt breakfast here at Elway Hall for the beginning of the season this year. I can see, you know, 70 people glumping by on their 
on horseback with the hounds in front in full scarlet. So I love that sort of thing too. And I've got a lot, I've got books and anecdotes about that. I've got art and art history and architecture because that's what we're celebrating with the house. And then my larger section on another side of the room on the north side has uh, biographies of people that we think have really changed history, men and women. I have all the men on one shelf and I have a little, I think I have a bust of a small bust of Plato near that. Uh, and then for the ladies, I actually have a uh, an incredible Murano apple with a leather leaf, uh, an old 1940s piece. I love Murano glass. We've used some of that in here too. It's an apple. So I put that thinking of Eve and uh, the female equation inside of things for sort of that equanimous distribution. I've got as many biographies of females as I do uh, males in my in my library. So I hope there will be something for everyone in there. Okay. I love the idea of marking the, <laughs> the, the section of the library with like visually, yes, yeah. that is visual. I might have to... a little visual clue, you know, just a little, you know, breadcrumb to take you there. Sort of an Agatha Christie, you know, and there are no red herrings. I'm not going to put something that has nothing to do <laughs> with what the books the shelves are saying anyway. So it's it's kind of like a writer or an author. I, I work. I think design is not unlike writing a story. You're writing the story, telling the story of the family that lives in a home. That first paragraph, that opening sentence is your foyer. You're going to get a notion of who's there and what it is. And you can't put it all at the front and not have a great ending it, all through the house. Even if you're exiting out a back door or a mudroom, it still has to be one You have to end with a bang. I don't think um, there's mm -hmm. much difference in that. We use color and pattern and texture and modern pieces and antiquities as words and a sentence and the sentences are the uh, the story that we're telling for the house. And this is also, uh, this has a real Southern bent to it. Flowers of Southern Magazine. A lot of the people that work there have been associated with different Southern magazines that I've loved in the past, Southern Accents, others. And Southerners love a good story and a good storyteller and a good book. Mm -hmm. So I think that, I think that goes hand in hand with what we're doing here for Flower. Yeah. Yeah. Reshaping library sciences. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I find very both frustrating and because we, you know, we work with house, show houses all the time, but, um, and this show house is no different. We had a little, um, we had a little construction hiccups that took a, you know, we had to push it back a little <laughs> bit, but, um, okay. One of the things I love about show houses and find frustrating is there are always challenges, logistical <laughs> issues, but sometimes happy accidents. So I was curious if there were any challenges or happy accidents that you ran into while creating the space and what both how maybe you resolve them. Yeah. Well, there are both. And it's not that's not nature only to show houses. That's nature, nature to construction and building any True. house. Because <laughs> I can honestly say I see it in every new house we're doing, every remodel. Nothing is ever finished by the team at working at that, however good they are, right at the time they think it's going to be. And True. a lot of that's even more complicated with the modern world living in right now with certain shortages and shipping issues and delays. So there has been a little bit of that. And again, necessity is the mother of invention. Um, I think Benjamin Franklin's biography is one of the ones on the gentleman's bells here. And that was uh, one of his phrases that I, I think of often. For me, the things here logistically, because I wasn't in Atlanta and working there daily. So we were doing a lot of this virtually. And we normally work with our uh, Draper workrooms that are tried and true that we use a lot ourselves and 
even when I'm working abroad, I'll take my same drapery workroom. I'll, I'll take them with me for installations. I'll have things made in Virginia so I can stop by the uh, workroom and see everything that's being sewn and understand that. And you're not doing that sometimes virtually like this. And uh, the shade store was going to do our draperies for us. They managed, they did this beautifully. See, we're having to do this remotely again. They were taking the measures. There was this trust factor that, you know, we like to take our own and be there with it and make sure it's right. And it has to be right because you're not going to get a second chance to make these. There's no time to rehem or change the rod and order a new one. So we had to depend on them for that. And I love what they did. They did a beautiful job. And ours was kind of complicated. We were using a grommeted heading. But we were doing a very industrial bronze rod at the top with the bronze grommets. And we wanted it to emanate very near the, the height of the wooden oak cornice that we were talking about, the wooden panels. And I was designing it to be lined on both sides. We used uh, that tilographic material on one side and a beautiful Zach and Fox print that I found for the back. Because my thought was to make that sofa that I put in the window a Pullman compartment uh, you can you can sleep on that bed or have a guest you know there are a lot of people i'm not a sleeper I've, i don't know how many nights i've fallen asleep on the day bed in my library thomas jefferson did the same thing he put you know he slept in his library with a day bed he had chairs that he could recline in a lot of uh, people and uh especially people that are uh not i think i probably sleep two hours a night a lot of people like me may spend the night in a room other than a bedroom. And I wanted that thought that you could compartmentalize and pull that over. And they had to get that just right from the back and the front. It had to break a certain mm -hmm. way on the floor and they nailed it. So that was a, a pleasure for me to be able to relieve myself of that burden and release that to someone else and have it turn out so well. Love that. One of the things that was so beautiful and yet you had to think of a way to deal with it that for me was fresh Peter had put, uh, Peter Block, the architect, had put a pair of oval windows right at five feet, maybe six feet to center up high so that I could walk up. I'm 6'3 and look through the window, but it was pretty high in the room. And you've got them and they feel, you feel that once you've got these windows, you might need some sort of treatment. And then you feel, I don't really want a treatment. I didn't really want drapery on that or for shade store to make something there. So I conceived an idea of, I made a pair of metal mesh frames that were 11 and a half feet high and they were 42 inches wide i did a single panel matching the oak panels that were below the dado the wainscoting in the room mm -hmm. and emulated that but in metal in a bronze finished steel at that same latitude and then the mesh which is see-through carried up and creates sort of a veil over the window so you get the view and the light but you, it's almost like screens on steroids again, the screen that you would have had at a screen window. And we were playing this little thing, too, with, um, again, the scientific thing. I'm kind of crazy about these kinds of abstractions. A table that I do for my line with iTesto Studio has mosquito legs done in steel and bronze with a sliver of a stone top. That's what I use as my de facto desk that we were speaking of earlier. And this looked almost like the screens that would have kept those mosquitoes out. So there's a lot of abstraction and cerebral scientific play among the things. This is what the mosquito would see if he landed on the screen. So the holes are a lot bigger. It's what, so we can, <laughs> now we're the mosquito in the room with the screen. But um, in front of that, then I did a pair of busts on tapered columns that had little lion's paw feet 
part of that same collection that we do in the same metal mesh. And so it's a phantom series you're seeing through one screen and another that becomes interesting. And the two busts sit directly in those oval windows, and it's almost like a halo around them. And I've got Shelley and Wordsworth in stone, 18th century busts that I bought years ago in Petworth, England on an antique spine trip. Uh, antique buying trip. So it, that kind of thing is what was your inspiration. What are you going to do with these windows? And then you do something that you like better than what you've done before for windows. So now I'm going to use that new trick that I've learned. We teach ourselves new tricks as we mm-hmm. solve problems. Easy yeah. rooms are just that easy. And you don't, no pain, no gain. You don't learn and grow if you don't work on difficult things and approach difficult, difficult situations and come up with antidotes. You, you have to learn to problem solve. And I will take the project that intimidates me and that I'm a little bit scared to do far quicker than I'll take the one that I know I can do with my hands tied behind my back because I think life is an education. And with every project in my career, I think I've become a better designer. Well, I think you just answered one of the questions that I had written down, which was, (laughs) you know, you have worked in incredible homes, some of the most desirable locations and homes in the country probably the world, but what kind of projects are you excited about today? I guess it's, I guess that's the answer. Um, ones that are, that are a little bit scary and challenging. I kind of love the extremes and things. So it seems that uh, we have, you know, we've, our clients run the gamut. And when we design a home, we're not putting ourselves there. We're the, the client hires us for our filter and our aesthetic prowess or our, our ability to put things together and uh, to write their story, almost like hiring a, a ghostwriter to do your home for you. But for me, the, the clients that have their own mind, that have specific interests that aren't usual, that have their own aesthetic sense, oftentimes the, the husband and the wife may not even agree on things. That means I'm going to have a really wonderful product and maybe save a marriage in the process as I put it all together because I'm going to have these extremes playing against each other. And I think that's exciting. And I think the interiors become very personal and bespoke in that in that process. I love projects that are, I, for whatever reason, we're in a lot of projects really close to home. If you're in the Virginia countryside, I lived in Virginia hunt country, and I'm working on maybe eight, nine projects that I can drive to. That's unusual for us because usually we had to fly away. And I love those projects that are not at all here. Uh, we're building a home that's erupting from the sand on Kiowa Island in South Carolina, or we're working out on the West Coast or up in the mountains. We've done a lot of work abroad. I've worked done a lot of work in the Caribbean. I've done projects in China, Italy, Russia. I love those far-flung projects that we do as much as I love the ones close by. And I kind of like those extremes of near and far, of modern and traditional, of ancient and contemporary as far as the architecture, where whether we're redoing something that's in a period fashion that you have to pay homage to a particular history of the home, or we're just creating something completely new and out of the box. And I love the extremes of minimalism and maximalism. I live with more maximalism within my own home. And we probably have left more of a maximalism impression with this new library that we've done for Flower Magazine. At the same time, we have so many penthouses in the sky that we're doing right now in Miami on the 55th floor, or even here in Washington and um, in New York, we're doing a lot of these minimalist, wonderful places in the sky. And the view is really what it's all about. And the color and the light that comes from the air 
and the sky or the ocean view or whatever that you're bringing through. The windows are just basically, you're talking about leaving clues. Uh, the windows in any room gives us a clue as to what we can do inside that room. If it's complacent and at peace with the view, then it's a success. And if you can combine that with something that speaks about the people that live there and their lifestyle and what they consider important in life, what their world is and what the world is now, including things that are we love to pluck from the continuum of aesthetic of our favorite things in different periods and things rather than doing uh, just a period room. That's how period becomes uh, exciting and vital and something that's alive rather than something you'd see in a museum. And we don't want to live in a museum. We want to live in our, in our own homes that we've curated, maybe with things that could be in a museum, but we've made it modern and livable for ourselves. Liz, you have to be aggressive if you want to jump in because I have a question <laughs> on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's you've just given us so much to digest just right there, Barry. And you're your rumors and i really want to just kind of talk about that because i feel like you're touching on that a little bit with the layers and and bringing in the environment and the the complexity of the people who live there but speak to that a little bit more and how can we how can we make our own homes and our own rooms speak before we even walk in well we were we were speaking about telling the story of the people that live in a space if you walk into someone's home and you look be behind them and without asking them certain things that they like or they might be interested in, if you see that beyond that, it, the, the conversation has already started without that word being spoken. It, it actually gets right to the chase. You feel like you know a lot about who these people are. That's one of the reason I don't love the beige, you know, the rooms that look like a, a, a nice uh, elevated hotel suite that don't really tell any personal story. You can have that when you check into a nice hotel. You don't. You want something more at home. I think our homes, even what we've been through with um, COVID and things in the last few years, and even when the world seems scary uh, and things are happening in the world that may that may that may make us feel a little bit uncomfortable, the thought that our home is a sanctuary, that we're surrounded by things that uh, we love that speak to us, you're never alone in a room that speaks to you. You're having a conversation with it when you're in there. You know, you're, it's, there's something wonderful even to be said with that, I think. And that, to me, the, the thought that we can make aesthetic statements for people that surround them with, again, those um, with memories, with words, with um, the stories of their lives, this little thing, you can look at one particular thing that you bought for a particular reason that was a wonderful trip you went on. And you remember the story of that trip, you know, you, even if you're just sitting and looking at it, others can see that. They see that you've got a collection, uh, a collection of things from Southeast Asia. They, they guess that you may have been to Southeast Asia or lived there. And it, it is a conversation starter too. There's never, I, when, when people come into homes that are designed well, I think that the conversation flows. The humanity uh, of the spoken word, of the understood word, the, uh, the stories of, of, of history, of past, present, and future. I think all of that comes together in a vital home that is put together with thought and, and reverence. Well, I okay, I wanted to go back a little bit because you said something so interesting a minute ago about spouses that have very different thoughts on the space and how you know that's <laughs> going to be a really good you know, end product. 
we get questions all the time from people who are maybe having trouble getting their spouse on board with whatever they want to do for the room, or they can't work with their spouse's stipulation, you know, whatever they want. They want a leather couch and whatever it is. What would you, what advice would you give to people about trying to blend styles or work with someone who's, who's, taste maybe you are not a fan of your loved ones well there's besides the basic when you're talking about a the conventional husband and wife there's the besides the mars and venus factor of things masculine and feminine aside from that there are specific things that some people just love we, we have and, and others may not we have a a young wonderful couple that were just almost completing um, a home for here in virginia and, and nearer into dc he is an, an avid and has always been an avid collector of modern graphic artwork, abstract expressionist paintings. He has Chuck Closes and Warhols and Lichtensteins. And there are these wonderful things that they've collected. She loves wintry uh, country French finishes with the uh, things washed off of them, little floral prints and things like that. And what you can do instead of being worried about putting things together, celebrate the union of those it, because they're a perfect couple. They, they, they complement each other so well. So why can't the things they love complement each other? So if you have a little print here that's kind of soft and isn't completely dazzling or bold and you have a quiet uh, antique uh, plenary pair of old French bergeres, maybe an abstract expressionist artwork would be really wonderful against that because it's the star in the show. Maybe put them together with similar colors or in the pattern on the little chair and in the artwork. Maybe there's a very contemporary piece that can bridge putting this old chair with that soft print with this new art. And you have a transitional mid-century modern piece that kind of speaks to that. We've played against type in all these rooms. And I think the house is more spectacular because of the blending and the juxtaposition of opposites than it would have been if we had just tried to match everything. It's easy to match. It's easy to have symmetry, to, to, to create symmetry with a pair of even things. It's not so easy to create symmetry with weight and balance asymmetrically. It's not so easy to blend disparate elements. So you're more rewarded when you blend them successfully than you are if you follow some formula that's easy to follow visually. So I kind of celebrate that difference between those two people. I give them both what they want, and I put them together in a way that they both live there in harmony and maybe in equal measure. Another way to do that is what she loves is primary in one room. And what he loves is secondary in this one. And then you go to the next room and what he loves is primary and what mm. she loves is secondary. So you're still balancing through the house, but it's a great way for everyone to win. More than ever, we need a world where everyone wins. Mm -hmm. Everyone talks to each other, puts it together and makes it work. And if we could do that in the world, like we can actually control that in our homes, I think the world would be a better place. My only issue with that example is that I think that uh, working with Warhols and Lichtensteins is probably a great problem to have. What if your partner collects action figures or taxidermy? Well, uh, action figures. <laughs> that seems much work more really challenging. Really well with modern art. It work really well with modern art. You can put That's Lichtenstein, true. which comes from cartoons, with action figures. So fine with you know they're from comic books. A lot of them. You know a lot of those those. That's know, true. The, okay, the, that's the, good that point. Cool list. Oh, so and and the bold color. 
is there. Taxidermy works beautifully with antique French, uh, like I'm going back to my one couple there. We actually have taxidermy in this house with we actually have action figures mixed in the bookshelves with the pop art. Okay, that's okay. And right. they're both are in this one house. That's hilarious. You, I will I will literally show you pictures later. And action figures and taxidermy are in this house. Okay, so all right. Well, thank it. you. And there you go. <laughs> <I promise>. <laughs> <laughs> Prove me wrong. I love it. <laughs> There's always a way to find something in common that will make that thing work and not seem isolated and shocking or um, like it doesn't belong. Yeah. There's a way to make anything belong. Yeah. I love that idea also of like finding equity between these two personalities throughout the whole house and giving balance mm-hmm. by imbalance in different rooms. So that's that's really amazing. Well, and and in this particular room it works so well too because there were there were there was a restoration of a of a Georgian an incredible uh, Georgian home built in the 1920s. Uh, kind of a fabled house in the home in the area. Um and with beautiful land around it, even in, in a more populous area. And then the architect in that case, and Decker Architects, uh, added uh, uh, some a full wing, two-story wing on one side, a full back, a new approach on the side. But she did that in a sleek, modern way with a lot of glass and plaster. And we had a lot of stucco slim clean stucco exteriors that work with the stone exteriors that were native to the house, but the stucco could be painted a certain color. And a lot of the of the tall bronze and glass doors that open into private gardens off the master bath. There's an 80-foot long loggia with four sets of those opening to a huge garden that John Howard's doing. And we're doing that very romantically, planting the new ivy to grow over the old plaster. We found an antique, he found an antique French fountain, but we're making it into a fire source instead of fire comes out of the fountain instead of water on an ivy wall at the end of that long loggia on the back. So you've mixed the old and the new, the European, the American, the the revival with with brand new wonderful things and all that contemporary art. So it's gonna be really good. Yeah, and I, I I just I feel like it's so important to talk about like not ignoring your partners. If you're the one sort of planning all the projects and you're the one buying the furniture, not ignoring your partner's wants and desires because they, they live there too. And I, I don't know. I always, I love that conversation because I find most designers kind of feel that way. They need to please both clients, you know, whereas most people would assume that the designer wants to just have their way and make it look pretty and make it look, but that's, not what we hear on the show from from people. We they prioritize even unusual interests or things that may not be on trend or common in the design world. It's so important. Again, and all of this is personal style. We're not following fads. I don't even like the word fad or fashion. We're speaking to things that are timeless and that are universal and that mm-hmm. from my perspective will live on after fad and fashion pass or in that story of fad and fashion, they'll always be relevant. For me too, even when we're doing a show house, I look to see uh, and ask about the colors that Bunny Williams was using in the room next to mine that enters through the library. You look through, I have two approaches into the library. There are two sets of doors. One comes from Suzanne Kassler's kitchen family room area, and another comes through Alexa Hampton's dining room. My colors and my room looks like it was made to be a spoke to all three mm-hmm. of those rooms, depending on which of those three approaches you come to, you use to approach our room, because that's the liaison 
uh, that a home requires to flow. And that's the way we want to live there. We've all been to some shocking show houses, especially mm-hmm. even some private yeah. homes where people didn't have any consideration of what was coming next. So you got red, white, and blue in this room and everything goes into pink in that one. And then you go into dark browns and, and it's kind of a lot to live with. If there isn't, we're talking about a story. If a story doesn't have liaison, the last sentence in the paragraph before the first mm-hmm. sentence in the paragraph that follows, if there's not liaison, there's not flow. It's a disjointed story. And if there's not liaison among the rooms, there's a disjointed story in the home. So it's the same thing. You can just use it as a model. I think that's the perfect place to transition to our decorating. Our closing paragraph. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> So, okay, we have, we do have a question. It is from Katie. I'll read it and then we'll just, we'll, t- we'll chat. Okay. All right. Hi ladies. I've been listening to your podcast since the beginning and I'm thrilled to finally have a decorating dilemma. Our family of four is in the middle of renovating a 1923 Tudor cottage in Austin, Texas, and we could use your help. Our dining room is a pass-through between the front sitting room and kitchen. I need help choosing a buffet, paint, and whether to use a rug and help with chairs. I have three options for a buffet in here. Two antique wash stands I've inherited and a green buffet. One antique wash stand is stained dark with a marble top. The other is simply a dark mahogany color. Pictures are attached. Which ones do you recommend I use? And then next is, what would you suggest for painting here? Should I add crown molding? I'm using Benjamin Moore's Sea Pearl in the rest of the house, but thought something darker here could be nice, like a Farrow and Ball French gray. The room is north facing. Should I do a rug? It's a small room and a pass-through, so I'm uncertain if it's necessary. And then I'm Finally, I'm planning to refinish the dining table, but what chair should I use? I could reuse either the black cane back or shield style chairs and the image is attached, but the cane back chairs are too tall for the table and the shield style chairs aren't very comfortable. Should I purchase new instead? A modern chair might take things, make things less stuffy. Thanks for the many hours of happiness you've provided me and thank you for your help. Thanks, Katie. Yeah. What, what do you think? Let's start with the wash, the, the, the buffet or the wash stands. Well, the buffet is already a beautiful green color, and the buffet always traditionally belonged in a dining room. Washstands were where we cleaned up and performed our daily uh, regimen up in the bedroom. I probably wouldn't put them in the dining room because they, they come from history with a different connotation for me. Plus, she said she'd have to refinish them or whatever. I love the thought of the green the darker green color buffet. So I'd keep that versus the others. I love those colors. I love the Benjamin Moore French gray. The only thing I would say is that if this is a North facing room, that could be a little bit morose for a color to live with. And there were arts and it's an arts and crafts style home, correct? She said Tudor. Tudor. I guess I pictured arts and crafts. Tudor and arts and crafts work really well together. And they have a lot of the same interior moldings and things and mm-hmm. windows often uh, that there's a nice dialogue between those because those influences are a lot of them are coming from the uh, Middle Ages. So let's see. Um, if it's a north facing room, would you go a lighter color or do you embrace it and go darker? Well, part of me is saying, hey, because she's not mentioned any pattern or anything in here. She mm-hmm. did talk about a rug or not, though, didn't mm-hmm. she? She said yes. that she thought she might not put one. And that makes sense because if it's a pass-through room, which I'm guessing, then the, the dining room sits off to one side, probably near a window, and there, you walk between. Mm-hmm. That wall that you walk by is probably a good wall for the buffet. 
and maybe mirror that would reflect the window across on the other side because that would be adjacent to that, maybe a big mirror to brighten the room there. What I would do, since she's not doing a rug, and she asked about should she add crown moldings and things, that would be an expense. And if I've saved the money from maybe not refinishing the mahogany or the washstands because we're not going to use those, and the chair issue, let's keep the chair she has. The shield back or probably a Heppel white chair. And that seems like that would be really pretty in here. Why don't we paint those Heppel white chairs, that really pretty French gray from Pharaoh and Ball, so they look fresh okay. and new? And then you've got the green buffet, and then that leaves your table to be the brown, because she was going to refinish the table and keep it in a wood tone. And you don't want wood against yes. wood. That does that. This will freshen the chairs around that. She's not had to spend a lot of money yet. So let's buy a really beautiful paper that gives you a pattern that goes back. Something that looks good with Tudor Arts and Crafts thought. I would go to something like a documentary, William Morris from uh, the 1800s. A lot of that was used in the Tudor revival here in the 1920s in the States and a lot of the arts and crafts homes a willow bough pattern, the fruit pattern. And there's beautiful, those come in colors that are beautiful with the French gray and her Benjamin Moore pearl color. I might bring that, since she's used that elsewhere in the house, the Benjamin Moore color, bring that in as the trim color for the windows, baseboards, and door casings in this room. Put one of these papers that have that color and the gray that also has green both of these th these come in colorways with leaves and vines and fruit and things like that that would have these other colors, but you're still celebrating gray, green, neutral, maybe a little bit of ochre and a little pop of yellow or gold with that. That'd be a beautiful color scheme. And the only thing she has to invest in new here would be paper and maybe you could even do the coordinating pattern because it comes in a paper or a fabric for seat cushions on those chairs and now they're comfortable and you're done. That's what I'd do. Love that. And, and I love that idea, too, because it, it ties everything together and just doing one grand statement. Yes. And it's a beautiful sorbet course of pattern. She says she's used that Benjamin Moore neutral color almost everywhere else in the house. So you'll never get tired of this little room. You don't sit in the formal dining room all the time. And it's more of a pastry. They're not sitting there and spending hours. So it gives them something exciting to see as they pass through. Yeah. That sorbet course of pattern and color. I think that'd be a good choice for her. That actually sounds so energizing. So great. It does. Oh, thank wow. you. Thank you both. Katie, please send us after photos and let us know. Of the room itself? Yeah. Well, I was mm -hmm. saying to Katie, I oh, hope she, yes, Katie, but I'm you sorry. know what? I want after photos of your room as well, <laughs> but we're going to get to see, Liz and I luckily get to see it in person. So, well, I will look forward. Maybe I get to see there. Are you going to be there for the gala, the opening gala? Yes, I, I'm planning to. Yeah. Well, we will be there that opening day and evening That'd for the event. Great to meet you. Oh, excellent. So we'll hope to meet you in person. Barry, can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your work? They can uh, find us. You can Google us and we, we come up, but um, we are, it's Barry Dixon Inc. And you can find us at barrydixon.com. I have my um, business and my um, personal Instagram and Facebook, and you can find me there uh, under um, Barry Dar Dixon. And especially on Instagram, I'm on that. I, I try to do one Instagram post per day showing what we're working on that day in the field, uh, what we, 
what we're actually working on in a field here on the farm. If I'm <laughs> doing doing that uh, this weekend, I was posting about gathering bittersweet and pumpkins and dahlias and what we were doing in time for fall from our gardens and from the farm, things that we harvest here. You can also, we have books, Barry Dixon Interiors and Barry Dixon Inspiration. We're getting ready to start, we think, a third book right now. Mm, you can find okay. those through the people that sell books and online because people, a lot of people are just going to Amazon and things like that and finding things now. But I love to go to a, an actual bookstore, pull it off a shelf and take it home with me. So there is that yeah. too. And we're fortunate enough, the, all the magazines that you mentioned in, in the opening, uh, we're fortunate enough to have not only been in those, but I noticed um, the six you mentioned, we've had covers of all six of those magazines. So we, you can see us in those. We're, we'll be in several new magazines that are coming out this fall. We have things coming up and we're very excited about that, including Flower Magazine. So Look for us there. Yeah. It was such a pleasure. pleasure to talk with you. Oh my gosh. Cannot wait to see the space in person. And thank you for all of your incredible design wisdom that you shared with us today. We appreciate it, Caroline and Liz. Thank you both ladies. You've been wonderful to spend my morning with here. So it's a pleasure having you here at LA with us. <laughs> that's the way it feels. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> thank you. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time. Happy, Happy decorating. decorating.